Thank you, God. Amen. Man, you guys sure do make a lot of noise in church. Yeah, because we, 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 we know God's not nervous. Okay. And uh, so we just, we just kind of dig doing that. Amen. Hey, uh, I, I, got, I got something I want to read. This is really cool. This is what women want in a man. And it's, and it's broken down by age. So guys, listen. Especially you young ones. Okay, so what a woman wants in a man, if she's 22, okay, if she's 22. She's 22, she wants a man that's handsome. He's got money. He's charming. He has money. He's successful. He's a caring listener. He has money. He's witty. Big muscles. And he has money. He's a good dresser, full of thoughtful surprises, imaginative, and a romantic lover. When she gets to 32, this is what she wants. He's a decent looker, has hair on his head. Okay? He can open doors and hold chairs. He has enough cash for a nice dinner every now and then. He listens more than he talks. He laughs at my jokes. He can carry a couple bags of groceries. He remembers special dates, and he seeks romance once a week. She gets to 42. This is what she's looking for. He's not too ugly. Bald head would be okay. Does not drive off until I'm in the car. He can keep a job, and he takes me to Denny's now and then. He'll nod his head when I'm talking. He's in good enough shape to help slide the couch while I rearrange the furniture. He wears T-shirts that cover his gut, and he's willing to shave on weekends. Okay, at 52, at 52, things change. He keeps his nose and ears hairs trimmed. He doesn't scratch in public. He doesn't borrow too much money. He doesn't retell the same joke too often. He's in good enough shape to get off the couch so I can rearrange the furniture. He appreciates a good TV dinner. He remembers my name and is willing to shave occasionally. At 62, he doesn't scare small children. (laughs) He doesn't require much money for upkeep. He doesn't snore while he's awake. He can at least stand up on his own. He enjoys soft foods, and he remembers that it is the weekend. At 72, he's breathing. Okay. It's what, a, it's what a woman is looking for a man. Thought I'd share that because we have successfully entered the wedding season. Couple of weeks, buckwheat. Couple of weeks. Yeah, oh yeah. Premarital counseling sucks. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy that we do premarital counseling with a couple of people who are nuts so close to their wedding because you ask questions and they they give you stupid answers and they don't even care they don't remember any of it and and, you you know inevitably you ask the guy are you so you ready to get married and he says yep and you know good and well he's not okay how do you get ready for marriage you know it does not happen hello somebody and and then they get all stressed you know that couples will spend 12 months trying to plan the perfect 20-minute ceremony. And, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to make you do premarital counseling someday. I don't think you could right now. But anyways, 
the perfect ceremony. They don't want anything to go wrong. Shelby and I have been married 31 years. The only part of, our, of a ceremony that we remember are the little things that went wrong. So they want to spend 12 months planning an unmemorable ceremony. And they freak out, and they get all uptight and messed up over this thing. And, and, and then the day comes, and, and they could care less what happened. They do, they do, they do not know. I'm telling you right now, uh, Darby and uh, Angel are not sitting there talking about the ceremony. Oh, that was lovely. Wasn't it? Lo- I love what Pastor Tom said. He don't remember a word I said. I do this thing in the counseling thing where I have, them, I have them sit down, separate them, and have them get a piece of paper out and a pen and write down uh, 10 faults that your future spouse possesses. He, he, he doesn't have any. <laughs> I've, I've, I've racked my brain, and he, he doesn't have one. Six months later, she's compiled an incredible list. <laughs> it's nuts. Welcome. Welcome. You, you know, he only has two faults. Everything he says and everything he does. Okay. I, I want to help the, the brothers out a little bit. Let, can I save you some time and effort? Stop looking for a chick like you're looking for a new car. You know, because, you know, guys, they, 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 they're looking for soft, subtle, you know, leather seats, high output motor, shiny wheels, super fast, pretty paint. Dude, the car don't run. You know, most of the time that, that car don't run. And, and uh, what you got to do is you just got to go find the one who will love you. You just need one who would actually love you. Uh. Let me tell you the Tom and Shelby story from my perspective. <laughs> Shelby's on the front going, oh, thank you, Jesus. You know, my dad in 1980 was sent home to die with cancer. And he had tubes up his nose, dude. He, he was so weak, he couldn't, his head would fall over and he'd have to push it up his hand. And he'd been through chemo and radiation and and uh, it, was, it was pretty ugly. And you sit in the chair, and he read a chapter of Proverbs every day my entire life. And so I don't know what month it was, but it was the fourth day of the month. Because he was reading, my son, attending to my words and hearkening to my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes for their life to those that find them health and healing to all their flesh. And, and he read that, and that day it, it kind of leapt off the page. It, it was like a rhema. And, 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 and he hollered out to my mom, Velma! Yes, dear. I'm healed. Good. And he went through a process, quite a bit of time, through a healing process. And he just used the Word of God and, and uh, decided not to die. He lived another 20 years from that moment. And uh, when he went to be with Jesus, it had nothing to do with that cancer. Uh, he, 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 would, he, he would call people up and, and tell them about the, the, the Word of God and how the Word of God has started bringing health and healing to his life, and he's getting stronger. And, and he'd get them over to the house and, 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 and teach the Word of God to them, and he'd feel better when he was done. And so he just, he just kept doing it. And so he, he, pretty soon, you know, we, we had, we had uh, 70 people coming to our house. 
And, and then he broke it into two nights so that because, he, you know, when he got done teaching, man, he was, he was feeling stronger. And so he's out looking for people to come. And, and uh, we, we had an orchard. We had a small orchard. And he would take uh, boxes of apples and go up and down the highway and stop at people's houses and knock on their door and give them apples and, and try to get them to come to come to church. And one day he stopped at a guy's house and, and, uh, and he knocked on the door and the dude opened the door. And there's my dad standing there with a box of apples. And, and, and the guy, you know, the guy just started to cry. And he he felt like he felt stupid standing there crying because my dad, my, you, you, I wish you guys could have met my dad. My, my dad was, was pretty, pretty rough, pretty tough, pretty in your face. You know, if, if you ever think I'm harsh, just thank God I'm not my dad. But uh, uh, so here's this guy standing there and he's crying. And, and, and my dad's like, what's wrong? And he goes, well, I heard about you being down the road about three miles from us. I heard that you were dying with cancer, and for months I felt like I should come down and, and visit with you and, and, and uh, uh, j- you know, just, I don't know, just find something to do for you. And he said, you know, it's, it's just so weird to, to open the door. He said, you know, I, I was afraid because I didn't know what to tell a preacher who's dying with cancer. I didn't know what to say, and, but, but, but I felt like I should come down there for months, and, and then I opened my door, and here you are, standing at my door with a box of apples. I just feel like I should do something for you. And my dad said, well, you need to do something for me. What? He said, you need to come to my Bible study because I'm, I'm, I'm teaching the Word of God at the house, and when I do, I get stronger, and I need you to come. And, and so that, that, that guy started coming, and a, a few months into the process of him and his wife coming, then, then one night they brought their daughter. My mom, after, after the Bible study, my mom came up to me, and she said, hey, did you see Dave and Bonnie? They brought their daughter. I said, oh, did, did they have a daughter? I knew they did because I had noticed that she had stared at me the entire night while I was watching her reflection in the sliding glass door. I started pursuing Shelby. And it didn't take long before I recognized something in Shelby that I knew would empower us because I could see that woman will love me. That's all I needed. You know, I don't know what some of you guys are looking for, but let me tell you something. If you, when, the Bible says, look at Proverbs uh, uh, 28. Proverbs 28, it says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing. And, there's one of those ands. I love the ands in the Bible. Because it's like, it's not, just, it's not just a good thing. You see, God's not just, you didn't just find a good thing. And, you're going to get favor from the Lord. And you guys know that when you get a wife, you're going to need some favor. So, thank God. Look at somebody and say, thank God for faith. No, you're going to need, oh, hey, that's not, a, that's not a diss. Think of your man without God. So the favor God's given to that man, it ain't for that man. It's because God loves that woman. Now will you thank God for favor? Okay, here's the deal. This is just my perspective. You know, you just got to find someone who will love you. You got to find the one who love you. You know, some of you guys. Let's come at it from this from this angle because you're you're quiet and you're looking at me like I'm mean. Um, some of you guys have disgusting pets. You have a rat with a hormone problem. You call it a dog. You know, some of you guys got a chihuahua running around the house. That's not even a dog. Look at your neighbor and say it's not a dog. 
And, and you know, and, and, and it's a little, it's a little wiry-haired thing, and, and and it's disgusting. And you couldn't even imagine doing life without it. Why? Because that stupid thing loves you. When something loves you, all of a sudden you overlook all of the weirdness that that thing possesses. You know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get too fidgety right now. But some of you guys need to recognize that that's the only reason you had any chance at all is because she recognized that you kind of loved her, and she looked past your wiry hair. We're all a little bit weird because we're, we're in pursuit. We all are looking for something we think we, that, that we love, and, and, and we want to find something we love, but what you need is to find something that loves you. See, we, we're all about going out and doing everything that we can to get stuff we love, but you've got to find something that loves you. Amen? John 11, verse 1 through 5, there's a, there's a story of, of, of a family, and you, you know the story, but there was a man named Lazarus, and, and he was sick, and he was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped uh, his feet with her hair. And so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And there's some stuff here that, that I want us to see tonight. I, I want you to understand the, maybe a little bit of the backstory. Uh, Lazarus is the youngest child, okay? And, and think about it. He's just the youngest child, and, and he's got two older sisters. And it's just interesting because there's no, no, no record in the Bible of anywhere of Lazarus ever saying a word. He, not one word that he spoke was, was ever recorded. So his sisters did all the talking for him. Okay. So, and some of you guys can relate to that. You got a sister exactly like that. And, and, uh, uh, and they were all great friends with Jesus. Man, and, you know, they, they hung out together, they shared meals together, they told jokes, they probably went to Canada together, they probably got in. You know what I'm saying? These guys, they were friends. And uh, uh, one of the sisters and, and, and he said, hey, we, you know, Laz is sick and we've got to write a note. And they wrote this note and sent it to Jesus. And when you read the note, you can learn some stuff about Jesus because... Well, one, you, you remember, they, they understood how Jesus rolled. They spent time with him. They were friends of his. Probably the closest people in his life, you know, maybe outside the disciples, these guys, these guys were with him. They, they were probably his first ministry partners. They probably were supporting his ministry. They, they, they had relationship with Jesus. And so I, I, I want to point out some things they didn't say. They didn't say, hey, Jesus, you know how much we've done for you. Uh, you stay in our home. You eat our meals. Remember how much Lazarus loves you. That is not what they said. I think if you and I were writing the note and sending it to Jesus, that's what we would have pointed out. Man, I really love you. Man, I've done a lot for you. Man, I, I've given 17 pairs of shoes. But that's not how they approached Jesus. Look at what they did say. They said, the one you love is sick. They knew what moved Jesus. 
It wasn't their love for him. It was his love for them. You want to know what's nuts? Is if you read the Bible, you find out that people who spent time with Jesus, they were all very, very much aware of how much he loved them. Man, I want to be more like that. I, I want our church to be more like that. Uh, you know, I think sometimes at church life, you know, we, 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 have, we have a tendency to want to get people together and, and, and even work it up to where, you, you know, uh, where it's more about, hey, the way we love him. But really, you know, the Bible is 66 books, over 40 authors, and in every book it talks about his love for us. Man, it's important that we get this. I, I, I think that uh, it, it's amazing because the people who encountered Jesus did not walk away, you know, condemned or rejected or depressed. But, but, but they left feeling empowered and accepted and loved. I mean, think about it. how many times you, you, you've heard the phrase, go and sin no more. That wasn't a condemning statement. That wasn't pointing out, hey, your past really sucked. No, that was a liberating statement. You spent time with Jesus, and now, hey, that thing, hey, none of us, none of us, you know, wake up as a kid, and, and, and our ambition in life is to be a, a hairy sinner. That's, that's not what's motivating us. Man, I want to I go out and just screw up as much as I can. No, that's not how we, we don't leave the house with that intention. And, and, and you know, he, he just said, man, now you've encountered my love, and now you, ha- you have the ability to, to not sin. Crazy kind of love, man. You know, you know, think about Zacchaeus. Remember Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. <laughs> Climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And I feel like writing a song right now. I don't know. <laughs> Starting to flow. Zacchaeus had one lunch date with Jesus. And in the middle of it, he jumps up and makes an announcement. And he says, I'm giving half of all my possessions to the poor. And anybody I've ripped off, I'm paying them back four times. One lunch date with Jesus. And the guy goes from a notorious taker to an insane giver. I'm telling you, people who hung out with Jesus were changed. Not by how much they loved him, but by how much he loved them. Can I tell you something about this this little relationship that I've been involved in for a little over 30 years? And and i got to tell you something, man. The, the, The more I understand Shelby's love for me, the more it changes the way I live. I don't know if that makes sense. You know... Had I not recognized her ability to love me, I'd have just kept on going and doing whatever it was I was doing. But once I started sensing, you know, and, and, and started having a revelation, dude, that girl loves you. I started doing stuff I didn't normally do, you know, like deodorant. You know what I'm saying? Can you relate, bro? Because I've noticed I like being around you more lately. Just saying. Boom. Huh? You know what I'm talking about? 
I know you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. She loves me. I'll get a job. <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> I'm having fun at church. You know, you end up doing stuff you would have never done, and you stop stuff that you always did. Why? Because somebody else loves you. Jesus, the one you love, the one you love. I could put it this way. You love the one. You, you got your... Telling you, let, let me tell you something about the one. He loves the ones. You know, John, when, 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 when he was writing his book, five times in, in, in the book of John, he, he refers to, he doesn't, even, he, he, he doesn't even use his own name. He says, you know, there's some other guys. Oh, and, and the disciple Jesus loved he describes himself that way. He, he doesn't say John. He just says, and the disciple Jesus loved. Like he's his favorite. Was he? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Because John thought he was. And apparently it didn't bother God because God put it in his book. So there's something there that we want, might want to wrap our brain around, huh? John, John thought he was Jesus' favorite. I, you, you, you find out everybody did. You know, hey. Oh, how I love you. Why? John later wrote, we love him because he first loved us. You know, I think sometimes we, I think sometimes we get so focused on achieving more, greater accomplishments, uh, living cleaner, you know, being more pure, and, and, uh, and obviously those things, those are the byproducts. I mean, I mean that's, that's what I'm talking about. You know, because she loved me, the, the, there were just certain things I just stopped. When you, when you begin to understand how much he loves you, there are probably some things you're going to go, whoa. You know, because uh-uh, I, you know. I mean, there were, there were, there were a few things that uh, I didn't have to ask Shelby if I needed to quit. Hey, you know, now that we're spending all this time together, uh, you don't mind if I continue to date other chicks, do you? I mean, I didn't have to ask that. It's never even once went through my mind. If we could just encounter the love, what would happen? What what would happen? And I'm telling you, this 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 thing is real. John John, uh, he had the revelation. He had the he had the revelation in in First John four. Look at this. It says God showed how much He loved us. By sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us 
and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away your sin. This is, this is real love. It's, here, here's, the real, here's, here's the real deal. You know, John, John had a revelation. You know, he, he had hung around with Jesus, and he had figured something out. And he said, here's the deal. It's not how much I love him, but it's about how much he loves me. Hey, back up to verse 9. Check this out. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one. Man, I know the devil's messing with your minds. And, 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 and I, I know that, that our thinking's so jacked up. You know, that, that we're so off. God, God he, he tried, to, tried to, you know, to make it clear. My ways aren't your ways. My thoughts aren't your thoughts. It's not a put down. It's an invitation up. It's like God said, man, you, you, you're going to have to change the way you think. It's Romans 12, you know, when it says, I'm begging you, brothers, by the mercy of God, in light of how good God's been to you. Man, I, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, present your body a, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind, by changing the way you think, so that you really understand the will of God is good, is perfect, is acceptable. That, you, you know, without having the, you, the, the, the transformation of your mind, you'll never even know the will of God. It's so funny to me how people are, are, are in search of the will of God, but they won't change the way they think. All of this talk right now about, well, well what, do you, what, do you, what do you think about a gay marriage? Dude, until you renew your mind, who cares what we think? Here's, here's what it comes down to. His love for us. Here's here's how God showed his love. He sent his one. He sent his one. That through him we might have eternal life. Eternal life don't start when you're dead. Eternal life starts when you're born again. It's Zoe, Z-O-E. Jesus said, I have come. You know, the the devil, he's come to kill, to steal, to destroy. But I have come that you might have life, Zoe. Life as God has it. More life than death, more hope than sorrow, more peace than chaos. Huh? More provision than lack, more healing than sickness. Here's how God, here's how God showed us he loved us. He sent his one so that through him we could have Zoe, life as God has it. Here's what the enemy doesn't want you to know. He loves you. I'm such a second-rate follower of Christ. Constantly making mistakes. Constantly dropping the ball. So much sin in my life. And here's God looking at you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I've let you down, Lord. I love you. Screwed up again. I love you. Man, I'm praying that you'll get a revelation tonight. 
And it'll change the way you think, which will change the way you feel, <laughs> which is going to change the way you make your choices. It's going to change the outcome of life. It ought to change the way we pray. And you ought to try it. I've been trying it this week because, you know, I've been, I've been spending time and getting ready and just praying because, you know, hey, God, you sent your one. You sent your one. And no, I know that there's, there's a lot here, God, and, and I, I don't want to screw it up, you know. I, I want to communicate your word effectively, and God's like, I just want you to know I love you. Started, I started doing something. Started praying for my one this way by reminding God that they're his favorite. Hey, God, talking to you about the one you love. The one you love is sick. The one you love is, man, he's far from you. And I got to tell you, so what's happened during the week is it's, 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 it's shifted from even the just praying that way for my one to praying that way, you know, where, hey, God, it's me, your favorite. I know that right now your heart rate is going up, Lord, because you love me. And I got to tell you something, that there are some things in my life, struggles, areas of challenge, that suddenly it's, it's not a problem. Why? Because he loves me. And understanding his love for me is changing the way I live. What God wants to do for you tonight is give you a revelation of his love you some of you man you've been in church a lot but you've never really had a revelation God loves you it's, it's, not, it's not about you living a perfect life it's about him loving you perfectly his love was manifest by him sending his one so that we could have life as God has it. This is real love. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us. I want you to close your book and bow your head for just a minute. And if you're in this room tonight, and I don't know, maybe you've never even opened the door for the love of God to flow in your life. Maybe you've never done what we would call uh, prayed the sinner's prayer. Maybe you've prayed it a hundred times. Here's the question tonight. Do you need to encounter the love of God? See, here's what I believe. I, I, I believe that God wants to show you how much he loves you. 
He wants you to know it. And so if you're here tonight, we're we're just going to pray a simple prayer together, but if you're here tonight and you're like, you know what? I need, I mean, I personally need a collision with the love of God in my life. And if God's love is coming down the track like a locomotive in my direction, I'm going to stand right in the middle of the tracks. I need a collision with the love of God tonight. I'm not, I'm not going to call you forward, but I do want you to do this for me. If you're here tonight, we're going to just pray this prayer. And I want you to position yourself to have a collision with the love of God. So what I'm going to ask you to do is that if you're here tonight, say, you know what? I, I need to make this personal. I, I, I need to take a step. I, I, I need to position myself for this collision. I just right where you are. Nobody's looking around, but I, just right where you are. I just want you to stand to your feet just stand up and say, okay, I need a collision with the love of God. Man, I need a revelation of the love that God has for me. The enemy's just been beating me. I've been beating myself about how bad I am, how poorly I'm doing, and, and what a mess I've been. But if you, if you are ready for this, just push yourself up. Just use the muscles in your leg and push yourself right up, right where you are, and just stand. We're just going to pray and let the love of God just come through this place like a locomotive, okay? He's, we're just going to let the, the love of God just collide with you right where you stand. And you, you don't need, uh, you know, somebody's hand to touch it. You need God to, to penetrate the, the, the barriers and to, and you just need to allow the love of God to flow into your life. And Father, right now, we just, we release the love of God. It's not about how much we love you, but God is about how much you love us. So every hindrance that's in our heart, that's in our mind, that's in our life, Lord, we, we just want them blown away. We, we want you to demonstrate your love for us. So God, we just stand in the way. Just cause your love to flow over us right now. We receive it in Jesus' name. I want everybody in this room to just pray this prayer. Just say, Father, I receive your love. Cause your love to change my life. Lord, change me from the inside out. I'll take new hope. I'll take new life. I'll take new vision. Thank you for loving me. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Everybody, come on, give God a big shout and a big praise. God, we celebrate your love.